The Apostle Peter, in his letter, talks about the priesthood of all believers, and each one of us being a minister, one who can share that precious good news that Jesus Christ has died and he's alive. On this special day, we're going to take a look at some specific ministries within that priesthood of all believers. And I share with you these words from Acts chapter 1. In those days, Peter stood among the believers, a group numbering about 120. And he said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled, in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. Judas was one of our number and shared in our ministry. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And so they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. And then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. And then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. And so he was added to the 11 apostles. This is a special week for us and a weekend, a a day of celebration here at Trinity Lutheran Church and School. As we celebrate the ministries and the retirements of three dedicated people of God, Jerry Gleege as principal, five years here. And the 21 years here for June Cook, the last 15 being a teacher of the third grade. And 34 years for Joyce Leverance, celebrating here as a a second grade teacher that whole time and loving it. These teachers were all blessed by God as He chose them to serve joyfully here at Trinity. Those callings, they were each begun by the work of the Holy Spirit. And they were made possible as these individuals were selected by our voting membership at Trinity. And now the time had come to find replacements for their positions. And we thank God for Stephanie Pinozo, who is teaching the second grade in following Joyce's steps. A new principal is on his way in the person of Andrew Montgomery, coming to us from St. Peter's Lutheran School in Columbus, Indiana. And we certainly pray God's Spirit to direct us as we fill the position of June's teaching spot as well. Our text from Acts this morning, it records the selection of Matthias to take the place of Judas among those 12 disciples. Those 12 had been Jesus' constant companions, eating and drinking with him, listening to his teachings, observing how he performed miracles. He healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, and raised the dead. They were eyewitnesses also to the Lord's glory. But now after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven, The apostles were left, as it were, with an empty seat at the table, a seat that was formerly occupied by a a man who had killed himself 
a disciple of Jesus, the one who betrayed him. Now, we might have thought that these apostles, you know, those who were selected by our Lord to go out and baptize and teach, that they would have committed themselves to a lengthy period of fasting before making such a decision. It was, of course, no small matter to select a name to fill the position of an apostle. And we might have assumed that maybe the disciples, they broke up into small focus groups so they could really determine the will of God for them. That certainly would seem logical. Or we might have presumed that the apostles could have even paid a professional marketing study to help them in order to fulfill their ministry goals. I mean, who today would object to such an offer like that? But as we heard in that first chapter of Acts, the apostles and the 120 members of the church did none of those things. Instead, they did what we might least expect them to do, to cast lots. An ancient practice that was done similar to throwing dice or perhaps flipping a coin today. And depending on local customs, they used items such as coins and sticks and even arrowheads. And uh, that method was basically you'd have a bunch that all look similar and there'd be one that would be the one that's the odd one, right? You know, you know that shortest straw thing when we pull? Similar to that as well. Well, if we had our second and third graders try to describe how they thought the lots would be cast, well, you might have something like this. Through this system of casting lots, they selected not Barsabbas, but Matthias to take Judas' place and to join the eleven with the proclamation of that good news. Yet, in spite of all of our modern thinking, and that relies a lot on our own efforts instead of on God's will and God's grace, casting lots wasn't foreign to the people of the Old Testament at all. There are many passages in which they would cast lots. They would seek the Lord's help in making decisions in that casting. Proverbs 16.33 is one. It says, a lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. In every case, it wasn't that the faith of God's people was misplaced in what we would say is luck. In reality, we know there's no such thing as luck. Rather, faith in God is what moved them to place everything into the Father's arms and to his hands and to trust the outcome solely to him. And that decision that the apostles and the church faced as being difficult, you know, it wasn't because Matthias wasn't any better than Barsabbas. We could probably assume that they were both equally qualified for the position. Both of them were close associates of Jesus, and they had seen our resurrected Lord with their own eyes. And we know from the reading that that personal experience with Jesus was a requirement to be an apostle. And it was the church made up of the Lord's chosen apostles and his chosen people that were willing to accept God's will for them and to provide a continuance of that apostolic ministry proclaiming the forgiveness of sins in that precious name of Jesus. That ministry of forgiveness was important to them, and it's important to us today. 
For what Jesus came to earth to do, it was to forgive us our sins. And he did that, we know, through his sacrificial death and through that glorious resurrection. And to ensure that that forgiveness was distributed to his body, known as the church, well, Jesus established the the means of grace. We call that the word and the sacraments. And to convey those means to his blood-bought people, he also instituted the office of the holy ministry, which is a means to the means. The first servants occupying that particular office were those apostles. And today, even today, all called and ordained pastors follow in their train. Pastor Strand began his ministry as a pastor over 41 years ago. And it's this month that I celebrate graduating from Concordia Seminary 30 years ago. Seems like yesterday still, but there's been a few sermons in between. Well, before we became pastors, before any of us were born, it was over 490 years ago that there was the Lutheran Reformers presenting a special case of regarding faith and the ministry and everything that we had been taught at that time. And so they came up with an Augsburg Confession. And Article 5 of that particular confession says that so that we, all of us, may obtain this faith in Christ, the ministry of teaching the gospel and administering the sacraments was instituted. For through the word and the sacraments, as through instruments, the Holy Spirit is given, who affects faith where and when it pleases God in those who hear the gospel. That is to say, in those who hear that God, not on account of our own merits, but on account of Christ. He justifies those who believe that they are received into grace on account of Christ. And Paul writes in Galatians 3, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And that article goes on to say, they condemn the Anabaptists and others who think that the Holy Spirit comes to human beings without the external word through their own preparations and works. Well, sadly, in this era that we live in today, we see that the final point here has really been come, it's become lost among some in the church. There's a good number of American Protestants who have accepted, without reservation even, that the notion of the Holy Spirit, that he comes apart from that word and sacraments. They say he comes to us through our own preparations and works. Now, you might hear some statements, and as we had celebrated earlier, you know, they might say, Holy Communion? Well, I can commune with God through nature. Or I don't have to listen to the Bible readings in church. I can read the Bible at home. Or why do I have to have a pastor, as we did earlier, tell us that I am forgiven when I can go directly to God to do that? Or the Holy Spirit lives within me. That's the only church I need. But do these and and similar statements like that, do they really indicate spiritual maturity so that one no longer needs the apostles' teachings or fellowship? the breaking of bread and prayer. The early church got together, and they did that because that was important. You all are here today because of God 
and your faith in him and celebrating with God's people. That's what we do. We could be somewhere else, but we're here because God leads us and he calls us to do that. The spirit of our God does not operate in giving us forgiveness, life, and salvation apart from his word and sacraments. We know that those means of grace, that they're delivered by the voices and the hands of God's called and ordained servants, chosen to serve in a public office as we do, known as the clergy. Our Lord said to 70 disciples who were with him at the time in Luke 10, he sent them out. And as he sent them, he says, he who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects my heavenly Father who sent me. There's a story about a a rooster. And this rooster really prided himself about his own efforts and accomplishments. And he even believed that his crowing, it would cause the sun to rise up above the horizon. Well, sure enough, there was one day when that rooster overslept. When he woke up, he was surprised. And he was even annoyed that the sun was already up. It was high up in the sky. And it had gotten up there without any help from that rooster. Well, he thought this over, and he could no longer take credit for this beautiful sunrise each morning. But he decided what he could do. And so he announced, if by my crowing I cannot bring the dawn, then by my crowing, I will celebrate its coming. And that's what roosters do today, right? They celebrate that sunrise. Well, in a similar way, we celebrate the coming of our salvation through Christ, the one who has crucified, risen, and ascended for us. It's he who, like the rising of that morning sun, who instills in our hearts that peace that surpasses all of our understanding. We know that Jesus is the one alone who, while we were yet sinners, died for us. And he did that. We know that he took upon our sins in his body on the tree. It's Christ alone who had purchased and won for us our salvation, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And we know that it's by his grace that we've been saved through faith, which is not from ourselves, it's from the gift of God, not by works so that no one could boast. And in doing all that, Jesus still gives us promises. He promises that where two or three come together in my name, I'm with them right there. And he's also given the promise to his people, the church, I'm going to be with you to the very end of the age. Now, like that rooster's morning sunrise that came without his crowing, Christ gives us grace. He does that. He gives us forgiveness, life, and salvation all without our effort. Jesus and Jesus alone gets all the credit. And what do we do in response? We celebrate. In celebrating Christ, We also celebrate those means of grace, 
namely the word and sacraments, the very channels that Christ had instituted some 2,000 years ago. He brings who he is and what he has done for us personally to our hearts and our lives. But we can also celebrate God's gift of the called and ordained ministry, the means of those means, and be assured that God's word and sacraments, they're powerful, they're effective, because they come from God. Because Jesus instituted that specific ministry as well as a spiritual service to each of us. He's promised to deliver us with his own personal grace. The teaching ministry is a very important supporting function of the pastoral office. And personally, I'm extremely grateful for all the dedication and the efforts of our teaching staff, the staff here at Trinity, especially the many years that uh, Joyce and June have served so well in impacting the faith and the hearing, the learning, the getting together with students of those times. And the leadership of Jerry as principal, given his experience and his gifts in the area, has created a, a healthy and strong environment, one that enables us to continue for the teaching and the learning here. When we hear about that true story of Judas being replaced by a method of casting lots, we might say, well, that was the luck of the draw. But that would be incorrect. By the way, this is the last time throughout Scripture that you'll ever read about casting lots. You're not going to find it later in the New Testament. It wasn't luck, it wasn't luck that placed Matthias into this position in the service of God's people, the church. It was Christ himself continuing his ministry of preaching repentance and forgiveness in the name of Jesus. The apostles knew that. And the early growing church, they all knew it too. That Christ was continuing his forgiving ministry in the ministries that he promised. In preaching and teaching. In serving others in so many other ways. As each of us has been given a gift. A gift, at least one, through the Holy Spirit. So that his work may be accomplished through us. And for us today, we know it's, it's not luck, but it's rather certainly something to celebrate. And what we celebrate is how faithful our God is to us and how we respond in celebration, but also in lives of service as we do for that sake of Jesus. In his name, amen. We pray. Lord, We thank you for calling us to be your brothers and sisters and for our brothers and sisters in the the ministries that effectively reach out to so many. Thank you for watching over all of us and for blessing us in special ways. Give us your grace each day, your joy, your peace, and may that just radiate so that many too may know that You are the Lord and Savior of all. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.